Luke 4, 31 to 41. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. In the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you do, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the mist, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had, all who had, anyone, all who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Good morning, everyone. I know there are a lot of people who are sick today, and maybe they're watching on Facebook Live, I'm not sure. Um, but it's a time for us to continue to know that God is ever-present uh, with us here today. We must also remember those who are sick. Remember uh, the church in China as they're uh, going through a difficult time right now. And uh, the church there, I know, they've offered their services to, to help people with the virus, to encourage them, to show that the love of Christ um, extends to those who are sick. Um, one of the great testimonies of the church in the early 19th century was, or the, in the early 20th century, was when the flu epidemic um, occurred. And during this time, many people were running and hiding. But it was the church that came out to minister to people at the very risk of their own lives in order to show the world that not even death is to be feared by the people of God. And so, let us remember to pray for the sick. Remember to have mercy for the sick as well. In our passage today, we get introduced even more to the person of Jesus, the Christ, or Jesus, the Messiah. Today, we get a glimpse of even more of who he is and what he came on this earth to do. We as God's people and we as just human beings must allow Jesus to define who he is to us and not for us to simply with our own eyes decide what Jesus should be for me. It is something that we require even for ourselves. If you want to get to know me, let me be me. If you want to be friends with me, get to know me. And then once you get to know me, and I get to know you, then we can sort of figure out what this friendship will look like. But none of us likes to be presumptive, none of us likes it when someone else presumes to know us. 
None of us likes it when someone says, I know who you are. This is what our friendship is going to look like. No one enjoys that. Everyone wants to be known for who they are. And then once you know who they are, or once you know who I am, let us engage in a relationship that's honest and it's open. And Jesus asks us to do the same thing. And Jesus asks us to, to come to him and let him define who he is. And Jesus asks us to, to come and read scripture and read the story. And then as you read, look at who Jesus says who he is. Look at what the, the apostles, the writers say that Jesus is. And then decide whether or not this Jesus is revealed in scripture is it Jesus that I want to know? If we demand that from others for ourselves, I ask you to do the same thing for, for Christ our Savior. Let him tell you who he is. And so this is basically what Jesus does in his ministry. His goal is to slowly, but assuredly, let his audience know who he is. And then in the end, at the, his, his crucifixion and his resurrection, to let you decide whether this is the man that you want to follow, this is the man who laid down his life for you and whether you're willing to lay your life down for him. So in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus perform miracles. And we see Jesus perform great miracles that his audience would unmistakably recognize the power of God within him. So let's look at these miracles. And let's look at what Jesus is trying to say to us, the audience, about who he is. We see in verse 31 through 33, Jesus is still teaching. We don't have a glimpse too much yet of what he's teaching. We'll get to that later. But we know he's teaching. We know that most likely he's reading things in the Old Testament and trying to teach the audience there of what the Old Testament is pointing to. The need of a savior, the need of someone like himself. But in the midst of it, in verse 33, a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon comes to him and cries out in a loud voice. And this is interesting. It is the demons who know who Jesus is. It is the demons who identify him. And he says, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. This is remarkable. 
that one of the, the, the first testimonies about the identity of Jesus comes from a demon, comes from the evil, evil one, comes from Satan's minions, that this Jesus who is on earth is not simply a prophet, it's not simply a teacher, but the moniker that they use, the Holy One of God, means that he is beyond a human being, more than an angel, but that he is equal to or divine, equal to God himself. And what does Jesus say? He rebukes them. Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him, thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding regions. The first miracle that Jesus performs is to cast out demons and evils. Jesus can cast out evil. Jesus can cast out demons. Now we might look at this and go, that's obvious for us that Jesus can do something like this. But it wasn't obvious to the people during this period. It wasn't obvious that someone can cast out demons in anybody. In fact, what usually happens is that people will cast out, or prophets will cast out demons, but they will cast out demons in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we see that later on when Jesus tells his disciples to go out and cast demons in the name of God himself. That the authority comes from the name of Christ, from the name of God, and in his name, by his authority, are these demons cast out. I mean, we see it played out in movies. You see priests performing exorcisms and whatever you want to think about the whole process thereof. We know that part of the, the mantra is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Christ, I cast you out. By the authority of Jesus, by the authority of Christ, I cast you out. But there's something interesting about this passage. Jesus does not say, in the name of our Lord, I cast you out. Jesus does not say, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I cast you out. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him out, he came out. the first witnesses of this and for us as readers of this there's something remarkable about the manner in which Jesus cast out these demons he simply told them to come out he didn't say by the power of my father's authority he said come out be silent and come out. 
And already in the minds of the readers, in the minds of the people who are there, the question is, by what authority can he do this? By what authority can this man who's been teaching us cast out these demons? And Jesus, without saying a word, but allowing the demons themselves to say the Holy One of God is trying to tell you and try to tell me, us, that it's by his own authority, equal to that of God, that he's able to cast out demons. This is a remarkable, remarkable claim by God, by Jesus himself, simply by performing a miracle. The second miracle that Jesus does is that he establishes his authority over sickness and death. So if the first authority is, first establishment of authority is over demons and over the evil, the second establishment is over sickness and over death. Look what he says in verse 30, 38. And he rose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Another remarkable story here. Again, it's not God telling the prophet to rebuke the sickness on the, in his name. Again, it's not like later on where the elders are called to pray over the, over the person, over the sickness. But Jesus comes in and rebukes the fever itself, rebukes illness itself. And later on, as we continue to read uh, the Gospel of Luke, we know that he rebukes evil, I mean, rebukes death itself, the consequences of illness by his life. And Jesus' power to heal is so complete that the description of the mother-in-law getting up to serve them shows the power and the completeness by which she was healed. And so we see Jesus establishing again that I am that same God that you worship in the Old Testament who heals people. I am more than a prophet. I am more than a messenger of God. I am God himself incarnate. And people were in awe. When the sun was setting, all those who had, were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out. So here he is, and the word gets out, and they're bringing their sick, and they're bringing people who are possessed. And everyone he touches is healed completely. And everyone with a demon, he called, he, he, he casts out, showing and demonstrating his power once again that he is himself the divine God. And again, 
And this is the, the interesting part of, of, of these passages. Jesus does not need to speak about who he is. But he allows the enemy to speak in behalf of him. You are the son of God, in verse 41. But he rebuked them and would not let them speak anymore because they knew that he was the Christ. Now, he already let them speak. He said, I'm not let you speak anymore, but I let you speak enough that the audience starts to, starts to think, could this person be the son of God? I want to ask you, my brothers and my sisters, Jesus does miracles. God will use natural causes. God will supersede natural causes to bring about his will in, in your lives. Miracles do happen all the time. Jesus will allow circumstances to to flow together in such a way that you'll be able to, to, to find that job that you enjoy or, or, or find that person that you want to love or whatever it may be. God can do all of that and Jesus can do all of that. But the miracles themselves is not what's amazing in this story. And the miracles that God does in our lives and the blessings that he gives in our lives is not that which is amazing. What is amazing for us as God's people are not the miracles, are not the blessings, but it's the person who gives the miracles and the person who gives the blessings. Do you remember last week? Jesus was tempted in the, in, in, the, um, in the wilderness by Satan. Turn these stones into bread, Jesus. Tempting him with what? Jesus, I tempt you to use your power to sustain your life and sustain the things that you need. Or Jesus, toss yourself from the pinnacle of the temple. Or, or Jesus, I will give you all the, 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 the cities of the world. Tempting with, with power. Tempting with the powers of God. In other words, even if Jesus can do miracles for you, the evil one can do miracles for you as well. Let me say that again. God himself can do miracles and give you good things. But even the evil, the Satan, can give you those quote-unquote good things as well. It is not the miracles or the blessings or to perceive happiness in this world that is truly miraculous about these miracles. What's miraculous about these miracles is the giver of these miracles. 
And that's what Jesus is trying to establish. The miracle of these is for you to look past them and see the giver. The giver is Jesus, the Son of God. The giver is the divine being who has created all things. The giver is the good God who will graciously and mercifully lay down his life for you. The giver is the one who will give you eternal life and joy forever and ever. And it's when we stop looking past the things that we if we, if it's, it's, it's when we stop looking past the things that we have that we get into trouble. But it's when we look past the blessings, look past the miracles to Jesus himself and who he is and what he's accomplished for us that our joy is established with him. But God is gracious and merciful. And if we look at this as a narrative, I know that God does this for you sometimes as well, and He does this for me. Sometimes God goes way beyond what we see as necessary for Him to show us His love. And He gives us something like good health. He gives us something way beyond what we need. Perhaps you, you're desperate and you pray. And all of a sudden, the next day, God answers us just like that. And God is gracious to us. And please continue to go to him. And please continue to know that he will often give those to us. But the end of the story is that God wants to give us not these things but his very self to you and to me. And for us to have fellowship with him. To walk with him. To be forgiven by him to be obedient to him to speak with him to be spoken to by him that's the greatest gift that God has given to us wherever you are in your faith our duty is to allow Jesus to meet us on his terms. Not the other way around. No, God's gracious. He'll, he'll give a little bit to help us out. But if you want to get to know him faster, ask the question, Jesus, who are you? Why do you cast out demons? Why do you heal the sick? And as you read the Gospel of Luke, 
And as you count, you yourself encounter Jesus day by day. I hope that you will see past the miracles, past the healings, past the casting out the demons, and that you'll see a Jesus who is the divine God who died for your sins and a Jesus who has given you his spirit and a Jesus who longs to fellowship with you, a Jesus who has broken down the barrier of sin that you may approach him, a Jesus who has given you life and life eternal, that you may walk with him in joy. Miracles are wonderful, but they're not the end of the story. They're just the beginning. Praise God that Jesus revealed himself as the Son of God and has given us life and life eternal. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. There truly is no one like you. We ask of you, Lord God, as we marvel at the miracles that you the miracles that you have done, your authority over evil, your authority over death. Lord, all of these simply do one thing. Show us, Lord, that you are close to God and that you indeed are God, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that as you've revealed yourself as God, that we know that the story ends, Lord, with you living that righteous life and dying on that cross for us and securing our salvation. So we praise you and we worship you all the days of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.